bless this time as we look at your word. We ask you to guide and lead. Let us see what it is you would want us to see from this. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Job chapter 23. In chapter 22, Eliphaz has said that God works does not, do, uh, does not impress God. Uh, Job claims that, and he claims that Job is evil. Uh, and he also says that God is so big, he doesn't really care about what men do. And so that was where Eliphaz left things in 22. In Job 23, it says, Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. There is a righteous might, there the righteous might dispute with him. So should I be delivered forever from my judge. We're going to stop there for just a moment because this is a short chapter. So Job is really kind of bitter and he says, even today is my complaint or my musings bitter. And he understands that he is in a place where the bitter is almost a word for rebellion. He understands that what he's thinking and where he's at is not where he's supposed to be. And oftentimes I found myself there going, all right, God, this is getting old. I don't, you know, and I'll, and I'll fall back on Romans 8:28. but still there's this inside struggle sometimes that says, how can all this be happening? What is going on? And that's our human nature. It's our sin nature popping up and saying, I'm bitter, I'm angry. And the problem is those are emotions. And the emotions themselves are not necessarily wrong, but dwelling on those emotions are where we get into trouble. And Job is fighting this. He goes, I don't deserve what's going on. And he's struggling. He's in pain. He's, he's being bombarded by all these accusations. He's got friends who aren't being very nice to him and making him feel bad. And he's going, I know that my musings are rebellion. And my stroke or the hands on me is heavier than, I, than my groaning. It's dull. He's understanding that he's in great stress. And I don't blame him. He's lost his family. He's lost his wealth. He's, his wife is not very nice to him at this point in time. His friends aren't nice to him. There is nobody giving him comfort. And, you know, I'm not the most comforting person in the world, but at least I try to do something that's comfortable to people. Uh, may be heavy-handed at it and sloppy at it. But Job's friends are doing nothing but accusing him. Job, you're terrible. You're bad. How could you do these things? You know, what is it that you've done to cause all this problem to you and mo and poor job is also going through the same problem what is it i know that i have not been this bad i don't deserve what's going on all these guys are telling me that i'm doing something bad I, maybe i'm doing something bad i shouldn't be angry at the lord i started out right telling them that i'll accept anything that comes but now it's been <laughs> days weeks months we don't know exactly how long all this things we know it's been at least a week because his friends sat down and watched him for a week before they started <laughs> uh, going in this long trip uh, on him but he's, he is suffering internally. Even though he's not speaking it out loud and not cursing God, he's still struggling with where he's at. And this is why you know, I keep encouraging us. We need to be able to understand that God's word is true and rest on his word. And you know, we sang the song this morning, you know, through it all. 
And it really is a clear thing that we go through trials to draw us closer to God, but sometimes those trials push us away from God, depending on how we react. And I love that into song, I've learned to trust in God, I've learned to trust in his word. And this is where we come to. Our trials push us to God, and Job is going to get there. But right now he's saying, hey, <laughs> everything I'm going to think about is just a bunch of close to rebellion. I'm right on, <laughs> he's recognizing he's right on the edge. He's ready to fall apart, even to the point of going after God. And this is where he's at with this. And then he goes, oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. Where is God? <laughs> I want to go before him <laughs> myself and make my complaint. I want to go defend myself before God. Remember, Eliphaz has been saying that God is so great. He's everywhere. You can't get to him. And Job is saying, I just want to know where to find God. I want to make my complaint directly to God. Now, I know he understands prayer. I know he understands sacrifice. But at this point, he's saying, I'm so bad off, I just want to go to the courtroom of God and give him a piece of my mind, basically. You know, not, not necessarily, he's, he's more nicer than that. In verse 4, he says, I would order my cause. All right? I would prepare my case. Because I'm ready to be a lawyer. I'm ready to stand before God, tell him what I'm have, tell him what's happening, and tell him that it's not fair. All right? Pretty bold. Pretty bold, but he also understands uh, all this, and he says, I will fill my mouth with arguments. He is saying, I'm prepared. I want to stand before God. Now, we're going to find out later on. He gets to stand before God. And what it says, when he stands before God, he puts, says he puts his hand over his mouth uh, because he's in the presence of God, and all of a sudden he realizes, well, I was a little rash in what I've been saying. All right? But he's saying, if I could find God's courtroom... <laughs> I would go and I would, I would pre prepare my case and I would fill, fill my mouth with arguments. I am ready to defend myself. What's been happening to me is not fair is basically what he is saying. And he's coming very dangerously close at this point of cursing God, but he doesn't quite step over it. He just says, I want to stand before God. And we've probably all been there at some point in time. I've even heard people, well, when I stand before God, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. I'm going to set him straight. Job is almost there at this point, but, you know, he's kind of keeping it civil. He understands, he's, and he's just keeping it in language. You know, hey, I, I want to be the lawyer. I want to, I want to present my case to God and defend myself. Verse <laughs> uh, 5 says, I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. In other words, he goes, I want to get acquainted with the words that God will give me. What is he going to say? How is God going to make sense out of all of this? You know, what, is he going, what reason is he going to give me for what's been going on? I've been a righteous man offering sacrifices. Now I don't have anything and I don't have health and I don't have friends. What kind of answers will God give me for all of this? And I understand those terms. There are times, and I've told people, there are often times, because Romans 8.28 is my favorite verse, I'll go, God, I believe in Romans 8.28, but I sure don't understand any of this. And I would really, and I, there's been times I go, God, can you just tell me what is the reason? Now, sometimes we will never know the reason. Sometimes God will show the reason to us. But when we get to heaven, we will be shown, if it's need be, that this is where we're at, or we'll understand it better. 
Oh, yeah, we went through, oh, wow, yes, okay, now I understand why I went through all of this. But we don't necessarily, and this is what he's saying, I want to know. <laughs> I would know the words which he would answer to me and understand what he would say to me. I'm going to give him my defense. God, I'm per you know, I was perfect, I offered sacrifices, I confessed my sins, and then you put me through all these trials and hell, and I want to know why. Please explain what was going on. And he's being civil about it. He's not being aggressive. He's just saying, I'm going to present my case and I'm going to listen to what God has to say. You know, these friends of mine, they're not, <laughs> they're not listening to me. And I don't like their answers. <laughs> but I would listen to God. So he is kind of it, the right an attitude. I, I just want to know what he says. And then he says in verse 6, very interesting. Will he plead against me with his great power? In other words, God is so wonderful and so big and so, so strong and I am insignificant. Would God blow me away with his, with his knowledge? That's what he's saying there. Will God blow me away <laughs> with his knowledge because he is so much superior to me? And his answer is no. But he would put strength in me or he would put in me. And it, the strength is in italics, so it's not necessarily belonging there. But he says God would give me the strength to be able to listen. He says, God is not going to take because he is so much stronger. And we've been there where somebody is, thinks they're so much smarter and everything and just won't explain anything. They just want to blow people away with how, how smart they are. You know, well, if you can't follow what I'm saying, it's your problem. <laughs> and Job is saying God would not do that to him. Because they just got done with a whole section of the chapter where it says God is bigger, he's, he's, out, he's, he's beyond us. And Job is actually understanding that God loves his people enough to minister to his people and care for his people. Whereas, you know, and I've met people, especially in the colleges and professors, that they just don't want to explain anything. They don't, they don't, they don't want you to know that they don't know something or they don't want you to get to learn something that they don't want you to know. And Job is saying, God, God's not like that. And I do love that about God. God's word gives us a picture of God that wants to be known. He wants to be known. He wants us to question. He wants us to be able to ask questions and get answers. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. God is not afraid of questions. And I know that many pastors, many churches, they act like God's afraid of questions. And that's sad. Because I have met so many people that have had a brain in their head that wanted to follow God and nobody would ever answer their questions. And that's why I've had a lot of great times with people and I've had many people, where were you when I was a teenager, when I was in my 20s wanting this, wanting these answers and that is even before I was a pastor. And I'm going, well, you know what? I've always believed that God can handle questions and that we need to be able to ask questions. Because I've heard people go, well, how do you know that there is a God? How can you ask that in a church? Where else are you going to ask it? You know, if you can't ask it in church, where else are you going to ask it? You're going to ask it of your atheist friends. You're going to say, well, there's no God anyway. Just, do, just follow us. You know, you're going to go to the agnostic. Well, I don't know if there's a God or not. So you just, you know, come, come with me on my, dis, you know, my trial discoveries. And we'll, we'll try everything and anything to get there. Why can't we ask in church, how do we know there's a God? How do, how, how do we know that we can trust the Bible? How, you know, all the questions that we should be struggling with. And Job is there. He says, I want to understand him. And he says, he won't plead against me out of his strength. He will, he will strengthen me. 
He has a relationship with God. It's being challenged <laughs> because of what's going on and the test he's going through. And it says, There the righteous might dispute with him, so should I be delivered even ever from my judge. Now this one is a little bit outside of the, the truth necessarily. <laughs> he goes, There the righteous may dispute if you want to go to Hebrew, it's reason together. And that would be a true statement. That we as righteous people can come before God and say, God, I just don't understand. Is there something I can understand? Can you bring it down to my level? And I've said, I've done this several times. God, I know that everything's for, my, is for good, but I don't understand how this is going to bring anything good. Can you please show me? And he may or may not. And this is the thing about God. He may or may not show us but we can present our case with him and reason with him and say, God, you know, you've made these promises. You've said this. How is this going to be for good? Now, I have seen over my lifetime many things that turned out to be good that didn't look like they were going to be good when they were happening. All right. The biggest one that I can remember in the most recent was when I had that gout attack for six months on crutches, serving God, doing my work, in pain, couldn't sleep at night because the sheep hurt my foot. And I'm going after six months on the plane, goes, God, what was all that about? I have no idea. This is, it was painful. And about a year later, somebody came up to me and said, you know, you encouraged me because you were faithful when it was obvious you were in pain. And so that whole thing was not for me. All that pain was not for me to go through. It was for the people looking at me and saying, oh, if he can do it, <laughs> I can do it. And so we never know, and maybe God will show us in this lifetime, maybe he won't. And all we can do is say, God, I believe your word. And this is ultimately what it comes down to. Do I trust God's word? When he says all things work together for good, do I believe it? He says he is sovereign and, nothing, and he is the good shepherd, do I believe it? And all of it comes down to believing what we are taught believing what we have learned. And Job is struggling with this. He didn't have a written word to begin with. So he's struggling with whatever has been said, whatever has been taught. And the doctrines are very strong because we see them in, in here. They understand some very you know, significant doctrines, but none of it's written down. And so he's being, oral tradition is being <laughs> challenged for him. And things that he has taught are being challenged. Verse 8, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he does work, but I cannot behold him. He hides himself on the right hand, and I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held his steps, his ways have I kept, and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So here he's saying he's looking for God. <laughs> and there are times in our life where God puts us through a test and it seems like he steps back to say, are you going to trust? And, you know, being in, edu being in education most of my life, I've understood this. You know, I've had many guys, especially at the prison, that go, well, can you give me this answer and go, oh, no, it's not my test. I have my degrees. This is your test. God does this to us at the same time. God, I really don't understand. Well, what have you learned? Are you going to believe and trust what you learned? 
And Job says, I go forward, I can't find him. <laughs> I go back to where I last saw him, he's not there anymore. I look to the left and I can't find him. I look to the right and I can't find him. And he goes, I just don't know where he is. I can't see him. But in verse 10, but. But I know the way, but he knows the way that I take. God knows. Even when we cannot see or perceive or understand that he's there, he is there. And Job understood that. Like I said, he's right on the edge of having a, having a conniption fit here that God's not there, but he understands, but God knows my ways. He says, God is right there. And when he has tried me, I shall come, out, come forth as gold. And this is beautiful. He's understanding that he is you know, being tried. He knows in precept, Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good. He goes, God, I can't see you. I can't feel you. But when you're done testing me, I'm going to come out as fine gold. He understood this. Didn't make the struggle easier. And I'm not trying to make it, make it sound like it's easy to make these struggles. I, I flounder around often. Even though I totally believe it, it's still, God, I don't understand. Why are we going through all this? Would you please get this over with? I'm tired of how long this has been going on. Can we just be done with it? Job is at that point. God, let's just talk. Let's talk. I know you're going to refine me. I know that I'm going to come out purified. I know that this is for good and that you're going to burn the dross away and I'm going to come out as good, fine gold. But God, I don't like the process. And there's a fine line between trusting God in the process and then criticizing God. And the hard part is the more, that he, the more we go through, the more he's going to sit back and just say, are you, are you ready? I'm here to burn off all the dross. I'm here to perfect you. Job doesn't fully understand the perfection that he's going through. You know, God is taking him from being a prosperity gospel person into one that really truly trusts him and not his prosperity and breaking what his false teaching and beliefs are to teach him who God is. And God does this for us all the time. When we think we know something and it's not quite right, God's going to test it. And even when we know something that is right, he's going to test it to say, do you truly believe what it is you teach, what, you is, what it is that you believe. Job understands this. He goes, God, when you get done with me, I'm going to come out on the other side as gold. You know, you're going to bring me forth as gold. The, the dross, the evil is all going to be brought out. Now, he doesn't understand what it is that God's trying to take out yet, but he understands that God has a plan. And this is what I've said. The reason a lot of... Uh, Skeptics on the book of Job have dated it, you know, real close to the time of Jesus is because of how finely attuned the doctrines are. They go, there's no way they could have had really good doctrine back then. They just didn't know it. If God created man, he gave man the doctrines that he needed to know from the very beginning. I think, Abraham, uh, I think Adam and Eve had great doctrine because God taught them every day. And they taught their children and it probably got washed down over the years and had to be relearned. But we get to Job, and Job has some very fine doctrine. He goes, God, I can't find you. I can't see you. I, can't, I don't know where, but I know you're here. 
and I know when I get out on the other side, I'm going to be better off. I'm going to be fine gold. So he understands. And again, just understanding the truth does not necessarily make it easier to go through. You know, yes, in one sense it does, because I look and I go, okay, God, you've got a plan. I don't understand your plan at all, but I know you've got a plan, and I at least have something to hold on to. If I didn't know the doctrine, then I would be really up the creek. You know, but by knowing it, I can be, okay, God, I'm really struggling here, but I know. But I know you have a plan. And this is where Job's at. But God, I know you have a plan. You're going to make something out of this. And when I come out the other side, I'm going to come out as gold. My foot has held his steps. His ways have I kept and not declined. And I love this. This is the same thing he's been saying over and over again. I am following in the path that God has laid before me. I have kept his, his steps. I have kept his way. And the way he's telling me to go, I have kept and, I have, and, and have not declined or thrust aside. He goes, I have not pushed away God and his laws. And this is what he's been telling his friends all along. I have not dishonored God. And that's God's testimony of him. He's a perfect and upright man that, is, that hates evil. That was what God told Satan on two occasions. God's testimony is the same thing Job is saying. Nobody's believing him because they're all prosperity gospel guys. But he keeps saying the same thing. He goes, look, I haven't pushed away God's commandments. I've been walking in his, in his ways. He was offering sacrifices night, every day for, his, for himself and his wife and his children. He's been doing everything he's supposed to do. And he goes, everything I know to do is what I've been doing. I haven't disobeyed God's rules on purpose. <laughs> all right. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed his words of his mouth more than my necessary food. He goes, I have not departed from his commandments. Oral commandments, however it was. And people oftentimes in our day and age will, you know, put down the oral traditions and the oral histories. But if they fully understood what it took to be the oral historian in these tribes, they would not put it down. They would pick out the four or five best candidates growing up, and they had to be able to repeat the story word for word without embellishment, without change, and anybody who couldn't, add to, you know, couldn't help but add to it is immediately kicked out, and they would pick the best of the best who would repeat it correctly. So they had a tradition that kept that oral tradition <laughs> pure. Now, I'm not saying it didn't get watered down over years and years, but they did everything they could to make sure that it didn't. Better than we could do. Much better than we can do. Even in the written format, we, we tend to make mistakes and additions to the written one. And so he's saying, all the stuff that he's given me, the, the words that I know from him, I have kept, and I esteem his word, the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I love this verse because David says it at various times in the Psalms. I esteem his words more necessary. How important is God's word to us? Sometimes I see it when we only have one or two people here. And I know there's excuses and all of that, and that's fine. That's between them and God. But is his food, is his word more important to us than our necessary food? And we all love to eat, especially somebody like me with 300 pounds. Uh, I love to eat. 
do I really always bring God's word to a higher standard than, than being able to, to even eat? Very important. You know, uh, Psalm 19 says, sweeter also than honey, and the honeycomb is his words. All right, uh, so how important is it to us? You know, do we, do we look at his word and say, I have to have his word? And I've challenged people, how long can you go without reading the Word, without studying the Word? You know, and I know there are many people, because I've gone to their houses at times, and we go, and, I, and we go well, what, 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 what have you been reading? Well, I don't know. Let me go find my Bible. <laughs> and it's the bottom of the stack of magazines, and, or it's in the corner with dust on it, you know, <laughs> and they haven't read it. And I'm thinking at those times, is their God's word more important to them than their necessary food? And very important on this is how important is God's word to us? You know, how important is God to us? How long can we go without talking about God? And I've mentioned that to many people. You know, at least once or twice a day, even at the, at the prison, I will talk about God to somebody somewhere. Not a full-fledged sermon or anything, but God will come up. God's ways will come up. Why? Because that's what's important to me. They want to talk about movies and the sports and all this other stuff, and I'm going, okay, we'll, we'll let you talk about that. The only thing I really care about is God. And this is what Job's saying. I esteem his words more than my necessary food. I want to know God. I want to know his word. I want to know what he says and if I need to starve myself to do it, then I would starve myself to do it because that's more important than eating. <laughs> now, most people I know don't put that God's word that high. Uh, but I love that, that statement. His word is more important than my necessary food. And is that really our heart's desire? And this is very important. Is it really the heart's desire to be in God's word? To look at his word, to follow through. And all of this that's going on. Verse 13, but he, is, but he is in one mind, and who can turn him? And what is his soul desires, even that he does? For he performs the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Therefore am I troubled at his presence when I consider I am afraid of him. For God makes my heart soft, and, my, and the Almighty troubles me, because I was not cut off from the dark, before the darkness, neither has he covered the darkness from my face. So here is Job going on. He says, I esteem his word more than my necessary food. But then he goes into the but. All right? And I love these words. I mean, this is a word that gets ignored so often. But when God puts but in there, something's changing, and we need to pay attention to it. Or if he says, therefore... We want to find out, okay, what is the continuation of the previous argument? I need to know what the previous argument was and what the result is. But he says, but he is of one mind, and who can turn him? In other words, God has no division in his mind. And once he's made up his mind, you're not changing him. And, you know, he didn't have any division in his mind in the first place to be changeable. We as humans oftentimes have a divided mind, even when we're doing something. Job has just said... I esteem his word greater, more than my food, but I know that he eats, otherwise he wouldn't be alive. So he's, even in that statement, he has a divided mind, and he's going, but God does not have a divided mind. 
And because he does not have a divided mind, you cannot get him to change his mind. All right? So kind of a strong statement. He understands who God is as he's going into this. And what his soul desires, even that he does. And this is kind of an interesting place. What is the deepest desires that God has, he does. He doesn't have sin in his heart. He does not have sin... You know, so when he has a deep desire, he has what is right. We have deep desires, but they're not necessarily what is right. But when God has a desire, and it is a desire of his innermost being, he's going to make it happen. He's God. And he does not desire anything that is ungodly, because all of his, all, everything that he's created is out of his innermost being. And we've talked about this. The rules that he gives man are from his innermost character. You shall not lie. Why? Because God does not lie. You will not murder. Why? Because God does not <laughs> murder. You, know, you will not covet. Why? Because God does not covet. Now, all of these rules are out of his character, so the more we get to know God and his character, the more we will do what he wants us to do, even if we didn't know the word. Because I get to know God. And God is love, he is mercy, he is kindness, he is, he is gracious, he is truthful, and all these things that he is. If I know God and he, and he becomes part of me and I become part of him, then I will be more like him. Even if I don't know the word of God. And then I get to know the word of God and I'm going, oh, well, I'm already doing that because that's what God told me to do. Oh, I'm already doing that because that's what he told me. To do. Oh, I'm already doing that because that's what he told me to do. And this is what Job is saying to him. He says, God does what he wants to do. And because he is holy and righteous, it's going to be good. Now, this is part of what he's struggling with. Uh, God, I don't understand why you're letting all this happen to my life, but it is your desire that I go through it. This is where he's coming down to. God, I don't understand. And it is good that sometimes we don't understand what God's doing. And we're going, God, I don't understand, but I'm just going to rest in you. When we can get to that point, we're doing things the way God wants it done. God, don't, I don't understand, but I am going to rest in your love for me. I'm going to rest in your sovereignty. I'm going to rest in your promise that everything will be work out for good. I'm just going to faith rest in what you say. And that is ultimately what God is looking for. Are we going to sit back and just say, God, I trust you? Now, that's not an easy thing to do most of the time. It gets easier with practice. <laughs> but, the, but the tests also get harder <laughs> as it goes along. But it still gets easier. When we trust God and we see that all things work together for good over and over and over again, and we look back over our life and say, oh, it's always been. And then when we get another test and go all right, God, this is an awfully hard test, but I do trust that it's going to work together for good because you have always been true and faithful. And hopefully we don't get into a grumbling spirit and fall apart in the, in the meantime. But Job is understanding. He goes, God, you've got one mind and, you, and you're going to make me pre as pure gold. He goes, you're going to do this and, it's going, and you do what you desire and it's good. I love that Job is sitting back with God. First part of this was, just let me at him. I've got I to gotta go stand up in front of him, and I'm going to give him my arguments, which a lot of these would be his arguments. You know, God, I know that you care, you do, you're good, but, you know, this is not fair. You know, what you're putting me through is not fair. 
But he does understand that everything that God's doing is God's creator. God created us. If he wants to crush us, that's his, that's his free will because he created us. If he wants to bless us, it's his free will because he, he created us. If he wants to use us as the fine china in the, in the china cabinet that only gets used once or twice a year, then he can do that. If he wants to make us the chamber pot that gets used every day for something that's not really all that good but needed, then that's what he does with us. And you know, I'm being facetious a little bit, but that is exactly what it is. He uses us the way he wants to use us. And it has nothing to do with us. And Job is understanding that on one side, though he doesn't like what he's going through to get there. Uh, And then in verse 14, And he performs the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. He completes the thing that is appointed. He goes, Whatever he has planned for me, is going to be done. Whether I like it or don't like it, whether I want it or don't want it, what he has appointed will be completed. Proverbs says it, that God turns the heart of the king whichever way he wants to do. And these kings and leaders think it's their decision to do what they do. And God says, no, you do exactly what I'm wanting done. Now, sometimes we look at it somebody like a Hitler that murders millions of Jews and Christians and, and gypsies and everything going, God, how can you allow, well, why would you allow something like that? Well, a lot of it had to do with the disobedience of the Jews and the judgment that was being brought down on them. But, you know, all of this comes down to God performs, he completes what he has planned. And I've said this many times, God already knows what's coming our way. I love the fact that God will never say, I didn't know that was going to happen. Oh my goodness, what, what happened down there? I didn't, I didn't know that was going to... He already knows. And the more we can really trust in that, that God knows. He knows what's going to happen. He knows it before he even created us. He knows it before he created Adam and Eve. He knows what was going to happen today. 6,000 years later, he knew what was going to happen today, and he knew it before he did the creation, so it was longer than 6,000 years ago that he knew what was going to happen to us today. And if he tarries, he knows what's going to happen 100 years from now, or 200 years, or 1,000 years. I don't think it's going to be that long, but, but if it was, he knows what's going to happen all the way down to the end of time. Because from his perspective, it's already happened. He already knows, and he knows what his plan is for us in that storyline, even when we don't understand it. Because he has a plan, and he completes what he has appointed. Some people are just used by him. (laughs) Some people are blessed by him, all because of what he wants to do with us. And Job understands this. And he says, many such things are with him. So it's not just one plan, but he has all the plans. God has a plan for every single person that's ever lived on this world or ever will live on this world. And he understands his plan for each and every one of them. And, you know, that's hard for people to understand. He has a plan even for those that reject him. And he has the plan that they were going to meet Christians all along the way to be able to hear the word of God so they can reject it and not and they will be without excuse when they stand before him and all of this is his plan and he's going to complete it and now we have therefore 
God has a plan and all these things. He goes, therefore, am I troubled at his presence when I consider and am afraid of him? I am troubled. I am dismayed at God's presence. He has an awe for God. He does love God. He understands that he can communicate with God, but he also has a godly fear and a holy fear of God. And that's one of the things that many Christians lack, that fear of God, because Jesus taught that he's our father and that he loves us and then all these other things. But we forget that God is holy and he expects holiness from his creation. Even though he knows we can't be, he expects us to, to look at being holy and following him and becoming one with him. And Job says, because he's got a plan, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little afraid of him. You know, I'm a little bit afraid of him because he has a plan. And when I consider or actively attend to it, I am afraid of him. He's saying I have some dismay on him. It, he is so, and he's going back to what was said by Eliphaz. He is so much greater than I am. He has such a greater plan than I can even understand. And now I don't fully understand and I'm, I'm kind of afraid. I don't know what he's going to ask me to do. And this is true for us. What is God going to ask us to do? We don't know what it will be. When you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you can really get some interesting insight in the way people look toward martyrdom. I remember one story that stood on, I can't remember who they are, but it was a father and son getting ready to be burnt at the stake. And the son goes, Father, we're about ready to die. We're going to go see Jesus. He goes, whoever goes first you know, can praise God and let the other one know that Jesus is there. And the father did not have the same faith his son said had. And he goes, well, then I need to go first. So the son went in and started praising God and singing. And then he said, I see Jesus. And his father was able to go encouraged to the cross, uh, to the, to the, to the uh, stake. The son had greater, greater faith than his dad. You know, how? I have no idea. But are we ready to take from God whatever he puts in our path and be able to say, God, I just trust you. I don't know if martyrdom's in our path or prison or torture. You know, in the, you know, during the Dark Ages, there were extreme tortures for Christians. Those who did not believe the Catholic Church were tortured. And they were brutal, extremely brutal. And, but God had a plan. And we're still reading about the, what they went through you know, hundreds of years later because the testimony was put down about how bravely they went to their martyrdom. Stephen, the first mar Christian martyr, being stoned, and he says, Father, forgive them. He was just like Jesus. Forgive these guys throwing these rocks at me. And then all of a sudden he says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. I don't believe Stephen felt another stone after he said that. He was so focused on Jesus, and I think his, soul had already, his spirit and soul had already gone, even though the body was still, still there. I see Jesus waiting for me, and he's standing. He's ready to receive me. <laughs> and I don't think he felt another rock. You know, and I think this is true. When God prepares us, we can go through a lot of things. I've been through so many storms when my eyes are on Jesus, and I look back and going, oh, gee, a lot has happened in my life. I didn't even recognize it. 
Then there's other times when I'm not focused on Jesus and I'm being blown around and beat up and battered. And I look back, I'm going, it wasn't even that bad and I got beat up. Why? Because of where my eyes are on. Who are my eyes on? Are my eyes on my troubles or are my eyes on Jesus? And I've had people, especially my stepmom, who laughs at me when I say, well, I haven't gone through many problems in my life, and she'll just laugh. She goes, you've had plenty, you know it. I go, what do you mean? And I really don't, because my eyes are focused on Jesus, and I'm not really recognizing it. But I have gone through some pretty hard times. Where are we focused? Job is trying to bring his focus on God. He's struggling. He's got some real serious problems with his health and all this other stuff. But he is trying to focus on God and stay focused there. And then verse 16 says, For God makes my heart soft and the mighty troubles me. Now this is not quite what it says in in English. It says God the Almighty makes my heart, my innermost being, soft is really the idea of weak. (laughs) All right. Uh, He makes my heart weak. Soft is a part of it. God wants us to have a soft, pliable heart that's not proud and stone. So it is soft as part of it. He wants us to be soft-hearted enough to be able to listen to what he says. And the Almighty troubles me. You know, um, and this is kind of an interesting word because this trouble literally means exterminates me. (laughs) And, but there is a truth in that. What does God tell us? For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ live, the faith of Christ lives in me. He wants our flesh exterminated so that we will be focused completely on him. Job somehow understands that, that I need to, be, I need to decrease. He needs to increase. And this has been said throughout the scriptures. I need, to, I need to decrease, and that's what John the Baptist said. I must decrease, he must increase. Others have said very similar things. Job is basically saying the same thing. I have to get out of the way so God can be increased. And that needs to be our attitude when we're facing trials. God is saying, I want you out of the way so that I can be increased in you. When we can get there, there's beauty in it. God gives us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, all the words that he goes through in the scriptures He says, when you're going through the hard times, I step in. If you will just release yourself to me, I will step in and give you the grace, give you the mercy and all the stuff that he gives us when he steps in. And that's a beautiful thing on it. He says, because I was not cut off from the darkness, neither has he covered the darkness from me. And here he gets into a little bit of the grumbling. He goes, uh, my heart is made soft. The Almighty troubles me because I was not cut off before the darkness. I wasn't separated from the darkness. Here I was in the light, and now darkness is all over me. I wasn't hidden from the darkness from my face. He goes, God has brought dark times on me. And he expected to be always in a good place because of his obedience. Psalm 23 tells us that he walked guides us through the valley of the shadow of death. God is out there saying, I just want to reward you, but we're going to reward you in a way that you don't really expect. I'm going to walk you through the midst of the trials. 
If you stay on the path with me, you're safe. And this is where I talk about Satan's on a chain. As long as we stay on that path, Satan can't reach us. Now that clock can get awfully close to us that he swipes at us. That roar can sound awfully loud in our ear. But he's on a chain that cannot reach us when we're on God's path. Now if we get off the path, we'll get mauled. And the shepherd will have to come and deliver us from the mouth of the lion. And there's lots of pain in being mauled. <laughs> but when we stay on the path, and Job said, I've stayed on the path. I know his ways. I'm, I'm walking in his steps. I don't understand what's going on here. I'm covered in darkness. And you know, I don't know. I can't see God's face right now. And I can't offer sacrifices because I'm so miserable. But I have not disobeyed. And here he says, even in the midst of all of this, I got covered with darkness. And God did not deliver me from the darkness. He didn't hide me from the darkness. And this is something that is so important for us to understand that we don't really understand what's going on. The friends have all said that God judges sin and sin is judged in this lifetime and all this stuff and there's been that back and forth going on. Well, no, God, sin isn't always judged. There are all kinds of people out there that are living a bad life that are looking like they're blessed. Job is saying, I just want to stand before God and defend my, you know, defend my cause. I've been following him. I don't understand what's going on. I know he's got a plan. I know he's going to do just what he wants to do and he has the right to do what he wants to do and Job is kind of double-minded at this point. You know, he says God is of one mind, and he knows he's being double-minded. He goes, I know God has a plan, but I'm really not liking this plan. Yeah. And I, don't, I don't like what I'm going through, but I know God's got a plan. Been there, done that many, many times. God, I know you have a plan. I know it's a good plan, but I don't like this plan. I don't like what I'm going through. Please help me understand this plan so that I can be relaxed. And sometimes it's literally just to have faith rest. God has a plan. His word is true. I want to trust his plan. Not an easy thing to do. But it is get easier and easier the more we do it. And just say, God, don't understand anything, but I am going to trust you in all of this activity. Lord, we ask you to help us learn to be able to faith rest in you. Help us to know your word and when we go through the hard times to trust that you have a plan and that you will complete your plan. And we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Listening friend, do you know where you'll go after you die? Without the gift of Jesus, it will be an eternity in hell without God. Good works will not get you there. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. To spend eternity with God, we must recognize that we are sinners in need of Christ. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. To be assured eternal life, we simply talk to God, admit you are a sinner, and ask him for his free gift. You must mean the words to, get the, to be answered. Jesus is waiting to hear your request. If you have asked him for eternal life, he has come into you and he will change you. Start reading the book of Ephesians and see what God says about your new life. After you understand the book of Ephesians, you can start reading the Gospel of John. Next, find a good Bible teaching church. Tell the pastor about your decision for God and be taught. If you contact us, we will send you a new believer booklet free of charge. Congratulations and grow in Christ. 
You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by snail mail at P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona 86431. We are happy to help with your new life in Christ or even answering Bible questions. Again, congratulations on your decision for Christ.